0: World-Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. brother well, Ramirez is the company. It's Cofield. DeMond running the show in the Finley Toyota Studios. We'll get to some Raider talk in the middle of the hour. A lot of good stories in the NBA draft last night, and that's really part of watching the draft is to discover who the guys are. If you're not a college basketball fan, um, you might not know who a lot of the College players are the international players. And, uh, you know, we found out last night a lot more about Jaden Ivey and the fact that Willie, his mom is a uh, former WNBA player. His grandfather played for the Detroit Lions. So kind of cool that, uh, and by the way, his mom played for the Detroit Shock. Kind of cool that he lands in Detroit.
1: Yeah, you know, like you said, there was a lot of those feel-good stories, but that was neat to see that, you know, in, in terms of his family and and. To see things like that when you watch them live, you get to see and feel the raw emotion of these players. And I want to, if I can just expand on, on, on this, not necessarily Jade and Ivy and his family, but one thing that disturbed me yesterday, when uh, Mark Williams was drafted, his sister Elizabeth was there, and she was given permission, she cleared it, Weeks ago, when they knew that he was going to be drafted to, to be at the draft, she's a Washington Mystic. Who, she'll be here tomorrow to play the Aces. Ridiculed up and down. I mean, I am I sat there and I'm reading these threads of people just annihilating, saying, oh, yeah, you know, good to see. And, and we have WNBA players complaining about so much, but then you can take a day off. Like, are you kidding me? Get a life. Shut up. You, we don't say anything when pitchers or quarterbacks or football players or baseball players they leave they get an excuse to go watch their child being born or when they have a family something they have to this was her brother being drafted into the NBA it's obviously in their family these are special moments and fans need to get a grip and leave people alone because this is this is these are like things that you dream of these are things that you write I talked to Courtney Vandersloot the other day she wrote a third grade report that said I want to be a professional basketball player she never dreamed she'd be in the WNBA she will now go down as one of the greatest point guards of all time these are historic moments in people's lives enjoy them with them
0: number 4 Looks like, at least for now, Aaron Judge and the Yankees have uh, reached an agreement for pay this season. Uh, Judge is going to get 19 mil this year. He's got a couple of bonuses that could push it to $19.5 million. Uh, entering today's action, he's got 27 homers, 53 ribs. The 30-year-old is looking for a long-term deal. Um, at this point, if the Yankees offered him something monstrous, and they had already offered him seven years and $213 million, before the season, if I were judge, and I'm a Yankee fan, so I, but I back yeah. the players. If I were judge, there's no way I would sign a long term deal until I hit the open market and see what the offers are.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You have to. I mean, when you're a guy like him with his caliber, you saw what he did last night. Yankees are down six three in the ninth, and you know they come back and and they win it on his hit. Um, and it's not just last night, but just what what he's done. You gamble on yourself. You bet on yourself. And I think it's a waiting game for, for them now because I think that they have to wait to see what he's going to do. And I, I agree with you 100%. A guy like that with his caliber, um, you gamble on yourself and you prove yourself and then you just wait and see. Highest bidder pays, baby. Let's go. Number three.
0: So Willie, is there a fan who may miss the Stanley Cup uh, clinching victory tonight if the ABS do win Against the Lightning. What happened with some fan being banned?
1: Oh, man. Well, unfortunately, uh, Ryan Clark lost his best friend Kyle Stark last December. They went to Avalanche games together at Ball Arena. And if the Avalanche take down the Lightning for their first title in 21 years, young Ryan will not be there because uh, Stark, who died just days before Christmas, uh... He, had, he was cremated, and on January 8th, Clark poured some of Stark's ashes over the glass and onto the ice at Ball Arena. The, and the usher asked him, what was that? And he told him, i got to be honest with you, it was my friend. And the usher said, what do you mean? He said, well, he passed away. Yesterday was a service, and so I spread some of his ashes out there. So he's been banned from Ball Arena for any avalanche games or team-related events for the remainder of the season And uh, he was informed of the band months before he knew the Avalanche obviously would be playing in the Stanley Cup. But he will have to watch it on TV. Damn.
0: Hardcore. A little vicious.
1: Uh, Related story. Did you see that
0: the Alexa may be able to record voices in your family and play them back after they have passed?
1: Not until you sent it over.
0: Would you Would you want that? No. I, I thought about it, too, and I'm like, man, that's creepy.
1: I find it creepy enough that there was one day, I think you were out there that day. I think that you wore a bucket hat. I think I may have even told you this story. But that I stopped to get gas, and I was in the store part of the gas place and simply looking, looking. At bucket hats. I've never texted anybody about bucket hats. I've never I've never tweeted. I've never clicked on a link about bucket hats. I've never even talked about bucket hats. I was looking at them. I drove out there with my beautiful bald head. And I'm sitting there and I'm generally the first person in the Raiders Media facility. You know, 8 a.m. right when they open the doors. And I'm scrolling through my Instagram. Timeline and the, <laughs> after the third post, there's an ad. And what's the ad for? Yep. Bucket hats. Yep. So, so, you, so you, I, don't want, I, I you don't
0: want big brother spying, and also uh, having uh, uh, you know loved ones who have passed away reading you stories. It's just no, too much. I
1: no, I don't want no voices, no Alexa box or whatever the other one is that's in your house. And you go, hey, hey, it's bad enough that I got the other one on the iPhone, but yeah. no, I mean I don't even know who's listening. All I know is that we have the Las Vegas audience and whoever big brother and big sister is listening on my two phones that sit next to me when we do this show, I don't know who's listening. I forget listening. I was just looking at bucket hats. There could have been a barcode or some eerie signal that went into the phone and all of a sudden I'm getting ads for a bucket.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Top two stories. Number two. I didn't know that those that, that was a reaction I would get. All right. What do we got here, Willie? Do the lightning have any life yet? Can they keep this dynasty going? Okay.
1: Let's let's not just just last week we had to do how many days in a row that we were talking about, well, is it fair to call the Warriors a dynasty? They won four titles in what? Seven, eight years? And and we were contemplating that's a dynasty. All of a sudden the lightning, because they won back-to-back years, and if they did win. This year, that would make it three. But all of a sudden, they're a dynasty? Settle down. They're they're a dominant team right now. They're the back-to-back champs. And if they force a game six and then happen to come back to Denver for game seven, and if they do win, that's great. But I still don't know if we put a dynasty tag on them. But I do think that they do have life. And I, I just got done telling you a little bit ago that I think that they have the experience from the last two years to gut it out and that I thought that they outplayed the Avalanche in the two overtime losses. So they definitely have life, but I don't think it's fair to call them a dynasty. Number
0: one. There you go. Top story. DeMond doing a good job. The guy's flashing him a two. (laughs) Love it. Wheeler Ramirez, DeMond running the show today. It's Cofield. So Palo Bancaro goes number one in the NBA draft. A little bit surprising, but not shocking if you followed the betting markets. And you know what? I was impressed at least by the broadcast that I listened to that there was an awareness of betting odds. I don't think that was the case during the NFL draft. And it, it brings up the point again, everything, uh, when it comes to sports or a lot of it needs to be framed by what the odds are, because you're going to sit there on TV, you know, on radio covering an event. You're like, Oh my God, that's shocking. Like Alabama Caro going number one was not shocking. The number went from 10 to one last Friday and a little bit higher all the way down at different points to like even plus two hundred. I actually, I took a flyer on it because I was like, "Hey, there's something going on here." Um, I got it a plus two sixty, which was not that's not a great number, but I'll take the money. I would have loved to have had ten to one from yeah. last week, but it, it wasn't shocking. And now the story of this draft forever is going to be: did the magic take the right guy? Now, frankly, the top three players: Van Caro, Jabari Smith, and Holmgren. Maybe the fifteenth, eighteenth, and you know, hundred fiftieth best player out of the draft. You don't, you don't know, right? I mean, we have experience in this market where Anthony Bennett went number one, and he just was not a top right. level NBA player. So, I wonder how this is going to work out. A lot of it is going to be where they landed, um, and frankly, next year, like Jabari Smith might average eighteen points a game because he's on the Rockets and they're in full, you know, rebuild mode. Mode. Um, you know, scoring on the Magic might be a little bit tougher for Bancaro, and I think Holmgren is going to be. Yeah, Homegren's going to be a guy who, if people don't watch basketball next year and watch Oklahoma City, they're going to see him put up, you know, nine points, six rebounds, uh, a block and a half, play twenty-three minutes a game, and they're like, "Flop!" Like, no, he's going to a team that already has scores, has depth, a lot of young talent. So I wouldn't judge it just off of this coming season.
1: That and you know, one of the big storylines outside of the big three that you know, who is going to go first be it Paolo, Chet, or Jabari was just the fact that you even said it earlier like, does anybody even know who's you know in the draft? That's what I think makes this class so great because you have these drafts where like you got oh my gosh, one through 18, it's phenomenal. But then, then there's the big drop-off because the expectations are out there. There's no expectations for any of these guys. That's what makes it so great. They can come in with a chip on their shoulder, unbeknownst to anybody. And they're the ones that are going to sort of, you know, put forth their best foot forward. And they can jump in as role players, learn, like at the Summer League and these first few years, and fit better into the sea, uh, into the schemes. I love this draft, not because of any one particular player, but because it's so wide open as to who is going to be the breakout guy. Who are we going to see star at the NBA Summer League in a couple of weeks? Who's going to stand out? Is it going to be one of the top three or is it going to be somebody else? That's what I love about it is that there's so much diversity because there's no superstar per se that stands out.
0: And health. Holding up, right? We should yeah. get to see Pancaro Caro and Holmgren square off on night one of the NBA Summer League. That's become a tradition as yep. the number one and two picks. Uh, their teams go against each other, so we'll see OKC go against the Magic. The uh, Summer League starts up on July seventh, goes through the seventeenth, eleven days, seventy-five games. All thirty NBA teams. Tickets daily start at forty bucks. You got eleven days of basketball right here in Las Vegas, where you can see the Stars of tomorrow take the court for. The first time. Again, it's July 7th to the 17th, tickets.com. It's tickets.com. And uh, hopefully, with the Mavericks, we'll get to see Jaden Hardy. And I'm just going to say this, and I don't think it's fair to do this, but there are certain franchises in sports. When you see a guy get drafted by certain franchises, you're like, oh my God, this probably isn't going to work out because no one works out. Right now, the Kings. You have some good players that they've drafted, but they've had a lot of disasters. And when I saw Hardy go to the Kings initially, I was like, oh, no. I think him being dealt to the Mavericks is a godsend because I don't know that he's going to get a lot of playing time next year, Willie. And that's why that 50-1 to 1 rookie of the year number, is that's probably about right. I would much rather see a prospect go to a team with expectations, a team that has developed guys, a team that has – Other wings, right? Two guards and small forwards who are men. I think Hardy landed in a good spot, and you know what? He's going to grow up real quick. He's going to grow up real quick with that team. On the way back, let's get into the uh, draft a little bit more, and then we'll uh, talk a little Raiders football with the host of the Autumn Windbags, R.J. Clifford.
2: It's Colefield and Company.
0: Have you had anybody like reach out to you and say congratulations that you didn't expect? Somebody, somebody huge. You're like, holy sh.
2: Yeah, I am a member of his golf club down in Florida, and and uh, he let me in. But uh, Michael Jordan did text me just saying, well done. Oh, look. is that Michael? Michael, it's Air Jordan. I can I
1: I Michael kind of cool.
0: One of the uh, bar stool podcast talking to U.S. Open champion Matt Fitzpatrick, 27-year-old. Got a congrats text from Michael Jordan. That's pretty neat. I'm sure that happened a lot to NBA players last night. Maybe not Jordan specifically, but great. From the organizations they got drafted to. Willie, what's going on with the... Uh, College World Series, and a hometown hero on the baseball front.
1: Yeah, so the, the uh, best of three starts tomorrow, right? Uh, Oklahoma versus Ole Miss. Best of three. And out of the two rosters, we have a former Nevada State Player of the Year, Jarrett Godman. He is uh, – actually, they're twins, him and uh, his brother – and. His brother played at UNLV and then transferred. But Jared has been there at Oklahoma the whole time. He is a redshirt junior. He was at Palo Verde. I think he started at Cimarron. Went to Palo Verde. Nevada State Player of the Year 2018. Senior year. Posted a 12-0 record. 1.27 ERA on the mound. Um, He looked really good the other night. So we actually have a local tie. Very good family. His father is uh, James, is a, in local law enforcement with the juvenile probation office. And his older brother, Jordan, went to Arborview. So, know the family well, know the boys, and really happy for Jarrett. Would love to see Oklahoma. I have been actually pulling for Oklahoma because of that. But the storyline of being able to, I think it's the first time in history it would be a baseball and a softball team to win. The College World Series, I think it would be a cool storyline. I was actually following the Oklahoma-Florida Series in the, I think it was the Super. And Oklahoma was catching ridiculous prices. I was writing up sports betting angles and giving them out as free picks because I just thought that the price was outlandish. And Oklahoma got through. They had one bad game, and then they they did well. So they're in the finals. And Jarrett Godman from Las Vegas. So those of you out there that root for local athletes, we always say hometown heroes. Baseball, like Bryson Stud, another great baseball family, the Godmans. Jarrett Godman with the Sooners.
0: Raiders open camp with the rookies 24 days from now. Yep, it's right around the corner, and then the Hall of Fame game shortly after that. Let's talk a little Raiders offseason, address some of their questions still at right tackle and at the uh, defensive back positions as we roll on here at Cofield and Company. to Cofield and Company
1: on ESPN Las Vegas.
0: Time to check in on the Raiders uh, just about three weeks before training camp opens up. One of our favorite guys to talk to from Sirius XM, host of the podcast, The Autumn Wind Bags, also a fight expert. We'll get to a little bit of what's going on next week in Vegas with UFC. RJ Clifford is with
2: us. RJ, how you doing, buddy? Fantastic. Yeah, just a shade over 100 degrees out here in Vegas. So, uh nice. feeling Fair good. Go. Yeah.
0: What do you make of what's going on right now with the uh interview clips out there from last week with Dominican Sue to the Raiders?
2: Obviously, you, you know, everyone wants a multi-time pro bowler and, you know, Super Bowl champion that can still play on their team, especially a guy as durable as Sue, who's only missed two games due to injury his entire career. But he is the epitome. Like obviously every single NFL player and every single person who has a job, what you get paid is a giant part of that job. So, um, but with some people, it's all that care all they care about. And I feel like when Dominican Sue, he's like the epitome of a mercenary. Like he should be in the museum for like this is the mercenary, right? So when you were when you are a free agent, when you're essentially an unemployed professional athlete, you want as many people as possible bidding for your services. And so anyone on NFL live and was pitched kind of the softball about into to the Raiders. He said, "Yeah, I'd, I'd, that'd be great." You know, the AFC West, and I've talked to Crosby and Jones. And then he tweeted later, like, "This could be fun." I feel like you could have asked him about any of the other thirty-one teams, and you'd probably got the exact same answer because he wants as many people bidding for his services. So. Um, I don't know. I feel like with our $21 million in cap space, it could be spent elsewhere. Our offensive line needs help. I think our defensive line's all right. Um, I, I think he's just kind of leveraging the Raiders to try to get what he wants. But if he did sign, I'd be as excited as the next guy.
0: I saw you guys checked in as part of your conversation with a former Raider, now Charger, Khalil Mack and some sort of forty and slip. What was that?
2: So he did this and uh, it's part us trolling Charger fans and part of us little little, little analysis. But he, did, uh, he was asked after... Um, one of the training camps, just, you know, Hey, you're going to be playing the Raiders again, you know, twice a year. And you're going to be, you know, playing us Raider fans. Like they've cheered for you before. He's like, yeah, you know, you know, and cause the very first game is in Los Angeles against the chargers. And he said, yeah, you know, they cheered before now they're going to boo me. No big deal. And, and I was kind of thinking, I was like, that's a home game for the chargers that's in Los <laughs> Angeles, Oops. but it's going to be 80% Raider fans. So you've already mentally prepared yourself to get yeah. booed at home by Raider fans. Like, I, I wonder, I wonder if that was the Freudian slip where he was just kind of thinking the generalities. Maybe he didn't even know that it was home or away, but I'd like to think he knows what it's like playing, you know, playing in Los Angeles against the Raiders.
0: Yeah. We had uh, Austin Eckler on the Chargers running back about six weeks ago and he just, he's accepted it, you know, that it's going to be a while before there's a ton of charger fans. And in, in reality, I think it's always going to be at, at best for the chargers. This, this would be their dream. 50-50 Raiders and Chargers fans for the games
2: in L.A. Um, it's not 50-50 of- against anybody, Cofield. They have no. 17 away games every season. Every every single season, there's more away fans than home fans, and it's like 80-20. With- there's, there's a black right. hole at SoFi Stadium.
0: They're going to have to win a lot and at a high level to, yeah. to get more fans to come out there, and plus L.A. is such a great place to go to, and the stadium's freaking awesome, so... And the Um, team they
2: rent the the stadium from just won the Super Bowl. So if you're going to get any new L.A. fans that are going to be a fan of a a brand new team around, it's going to be the Rams, not Chargers. Like, they're never going to have fans.
0: So an old-timey Raider, really known more as a Buck, Warren Sapp has been speaking recently. I guess one blog wanted to talk to him because essentially he's been excommunicated from the media because he's been such a creep around women. Mm -hmm. Um, He
2: was talking about John Gruden recently. Yeah. So he was asked about John Gruden and obviously we all know him, you know, getting fired for the emails that he sent. And he said, John Gruden's not racist. It's like, I'm a child of the South. I played two years with him. And um, he, and you know, he was asked about, well, about the misogyny and and, and the homosexual, you know, the, that kind of stuff. And he's like, well, that that's another conversation. That's awful. But I do not think John Gruden's a racist. I spent two years around him. The man is not a racist. Um, and it's rightfully so. People have their view of Warren Sapp because of his actions towards women and stuff. But it was intriguing to me to hear a take of somebody who knows him right. who isn't a part of the media. It wasn't like, all right, I got to make sure I say the right – you know, these, these right. are sensitive topics, obviously, Cofield. You know that. People want to make, make sure they're not ruffling the wrong feathers and stuff like that. So it, while, while I, I'm not going to agree or disagree with what he thinks his relationship with John Gruden is, it was interesting to me to see a fresh take of somebody kind of fearless in that situation.
0: Yeah, and there's lots of creeps, you know, former athletes who still have somewhat valid opinions when it comes to their playing experience. Um, Speaking of that, uh, Warren Sapp, I guess with a scoop, he didn't really say, and I guess say, you know, he doesn't have to name his source, but uh, he told a blog recently that he heard the Colin Kaepernick workout with the Raiders was about as bad
2: as it could get. Which is weird because the few tiny, like, little reports and tweets we got, it was generally positive. So. Um, and you, and also you know how it works. Obviously, when you know reporters get these get these reports, it's usually from the the the, the agent that wants to yeah. look as good as possible and stuff like that. So, but look, it comes down to this: like he's been out for six years. Like this is this is the epitome of athleticism in this country is playing in the NFL, and so uh, it would take a, a a superhuman effort to still to be on the shelf for six years and still be good. And uh, I feel like of the, you know, 32 NFL teams, if someone really want, really needed some help at quarterback, they would kick the tires on Colin Kaepernick. Um, you know, I don't know what happened in that, in that, in that workout, but it, again, it's, it's, you'd have to be one in a billion athlete to be, yeah. to be out for six years and come back and be ready to play in the NFL.
0: saps point point too, was that uh, there should be video that leaked out there. There should be someone. Leaning yeah. over the fence. I don't know if you've ever been to the Raiders facility. It is like a friggin' fortress. Mm-hmm. No one's leaning over a fence. You can't get near the field. Um, there is no access. And believe yeah. me, there's only one TV station that would fly a helicopter over the facility. And they got uh, scolded a couple of years ago for being jackasses and trying to do that on some uh, you know workouts at Park. So uh, I don't think there was a way to secretly tape the cap workout. Um, let's talk about the current roster. Okay. As we go into the season, I'm trying to think who we had on a couple of weeks ago, and oh, you know, we had uh, we had Chuck Smith on, right? So former defensive lineman uh, in the NFL, he was part of the Von Miller pass rush summit that uh, went down here in Vegas, and and he started talking about you know who is the guy, who is the face of the Raiders, who is the best player on the Raiders, and you'd figure, hey, it's Derek Carr, right? Um, he mm-hmm. actually threw out Max Crosby.
2: Well, that's two different questions, right? Who's the face of the Raiders and who's the best player on the Raiders? I think, I think Devontae Adams by just about any metric is the best player on the Raiders. He's the only guy where you can make a case that he's the the best player at his position. Yeah, you, AJ special teams are AJ Cole can make that case, I, I think, but you know, of real positions, Devontae Adams is the one guy that I think you can say he's the best, but I, every I'm half a Las Vegas local. I'm here. I live in Southern California, but I'm here every weekend working every local I've talked to it's max crosby owns this town it's Max Crosby's team uh he's just adored his story his play the style of play just effort hustle effort hustle every single one of his teammates adore him um leader by example this it feels like it's Max Crosby's team and and Derek Carr I think is I think he's the team's leader I think people look at he has the same thing everyone who looks at him or any player who talks about him it's it's just glowing remarks about you know his leadership and him as a man. So I think it's Carr's team, but it's Max Crosby's town.
0: RJ Clifford, Autumn Windbags, does radio with Sirius XM. So when you mentioned adored, I think a close second to being adored, uh, a close second to Max Crosby would be Darren Waller. Darren Waller has done so much from a charitable standpoint. His story is tremendous. Uh, him beating addiction and trying to help other people with that same sort of cause. He's the one guy of the big stars who hasn't got that extension yet. So,
2: what do you think the extension should look like? Should they extend him? Well, they absolutely should extend him. Um, you know, it's it's a unique situation because he was obviously you know plucked off the Ravens' practice squad. He wasn't a first round draft pick. He, you know, he didn't come in with pomp and circumstance. He was John Gruden in a way, kind of saved his career and or you know resurrected and found what was in there. Um, that that not a lot of people saw. And a lot of it coincided with him getting sober and and getting his life together on his own. But he credits the Raiders organization um, to be at least a big part of that. So I think there's a relationship there that can handle being the 17th highest paid tight end next season with no guaranteed money. So I'm I'm guessing, um, just by reading the tea leaves, I have no insider view of this, that he'll play next season on this contract and then get an extension. Now, most of the core of the uh, of this team is, are on basically three-year contracts, more or less. Hunter Renfro, three years. Um, uh, Devontae Adams, it's five years with, like, void, non-guaranteed money, basically a three-year deal. Derek Carr, basically a three-year deal. Max Crosby, three-year deal. So I think he'll play this next season and then get, like, a two-year extension after that and just kind of have I – think, I think Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are thinking, like, all right, we have this three-year window with this core – Let's keep it together for this period of time. See what we can do. And if it works, awesome. We'll find a way to keep it together. If it doesn't, we'll move on.
0: Is there a chance that even with Adams on the roster, that Waller goes to another level with the Josh McDaniels offense, if it's replicating some of the stuff they did with Gronk in a way, did Gruden
2: actually hold back Darren Waller? That was a very intriguing thought process. So Waller was on Rich Eisen's show and talked and in Eisen was asking him specifically what's McDaniels going to do to move you around. And he said, Oh, I'm going to do this and this and this. And, and, uh, and Eisen kind of like tried to bait him a little bit and said, Oh, so, you know, McDaniels is going to get stuff out of you that you haven't gotten out of you before. And, and Waller didn't take the bait. He said, no, you know, Gruden got a lot out of me and he built this great foundation and and McDaniels is going to add more stuff as a good coach does. But um, John Gruden was my way or the highway offense. He's like, this is what my offense is. You will conform to my offense. Josh McDaniels is, I like my, I like guys, right? Like I, w- I want a good, um, you know, slot, slot, uh, slot wide receiver. I want, you know, multiple running backs that can do different things, but he's more flexible. And so it he's much more of an offensive mind to say like, all right, Darren Waller's six foot six and runs as fast as a wide receiver. Let's take advantage of that specifically. Whereas John Gruden would say, all right, this is, these are my positions and I think Darren Waller fits the mold that I need here.
0: Josh McDaniels has a lot of things to tweak and fix, and there's some positions of concern. But I saw on your podcast, Autumn Windbags and R.J. Clifford's with us, Sharon Cofield and company that you thought there was another thing that McDaniels really needs to clean up that's maybe
2: more important than some of those positions? So the Raiders for the last 20 years have had historically terrible defense, but that's not even the worst part of it. Like literally ESPN put them on like the worst defense of the 2010 like the worst defense of the decade 2010 to 2020 that's not even their worst step. they have the most penalties in the Super Bowl era by any franchise and by a lot so like the second the team with the second most penalties is the Titans at you know 5680 yards uh Cowboys behind them at 5600 Bills at 5600 the Raiders are at 6415 yards like <laughs> shattering the records just dwarfing everybody else in penalties, and so um, you know you'll, you'll get uh, you know the, the Patriot way and Belichick style that, that Josh McDaniels comes from, and it's mistake free football. We don't turn the ball over, and we don't get turnovers. So I feel like if there's anything that's going to keep Josh McDaniels up at night, it's going to be keeping that flag in the pockets of the ref.
0: RJ Clifford, SiriusXM, he does the Autumn Windbags podcast. Uh, very big on the fight game. Host shows on the fight game. Works around the UFC. Ah, uh, we got fight week coming to Vegas for the Fourth of July weekend. Your thoughts on this UFC card headed up by the uh, 185 title fight?
2: So it's Israel Adesanya. Um, you can make a case he's the one of the, the most electrifying fighter in mixed martial arts right now. Kind of similar to the mold of an Anderson Silva, brilliant striker, much much bigger personality, speaks English, uh, younger, and he's taking on Jared Cannonier. Um, so International Fight Week, the fourth of July, you know, weekend is the you know, it's the Super Bowl weekend for the UFC. It's their really big weekend. And so they've, you know, put two title fights on the card. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway for the featherweight title is also on there. Um, Las Vegas local Misha Tate's on that card. Sean O'Malley's an upcoming superstar. He's on that card as well. But Jared Cannonier is kind of a a head scratcher to headline international fight week. Now he's the correct title challenger, so he's He's the right guy in a sporting, in a sporting sense. It's like, that's the guy that you want. And he's more than earned his shot Israel Adesanya. He doesn't have the name value. Sometimes we see in a main event between, you know, on international fight week, but Adesanya is clearly the star and Jared Cannonier is a rifle contender. And, uh, and he brings some, some problems to Adesanya that we've seen Adesanya struggle with before. His one loss in the UFC is when he went up a weight class and lost, to Jan Bohovic, the, the champion at the time, and Canadier can wrestle similar to Jan, so he offers some really technical, uh, some technical challenges for Arsanya.
0: And Canadier is another one of these guys who walks around pretty heavy, right? I mean, he's uh, he's well above middleweight normally.
2: Yeah, he fought at heavyweight for a good chunk of his career, yeah. and then moved yeah. back down to light heavyweight, and is down now down to middleweight. So yeah, he's got he's got his abs now. He does his Atkins, and that's why he's uh, he's fighting in title fights now. Down little guy,
0: R.J. Clifford. Let's close out going back to the Raiders. So we're going to start getting RJ on. He doesn't know this because I didn't even ask, but we're going to start getting him on on a more regular basis with the season coming up. Um, Let's look at a future. This is very interesting. William Hill uh, race and sports books is putting up alternate win lines for season totals. Right. So total wins for the Raiders is eight and a half. You can actually bet over under seven and a half. This is interesting uh over if you feel really confident the Raiders are going to go at least 8 and 9 or more the over is minus 230 if you think it's going to be a freaking tire fire you get plus 195 for seven wins or less could that happen could this be a i mean 7 and 10 isn't a an outright disaster but a team with this kind of expectation
2: 7 and 10 would be really disappointing so there are giant question marks in the AFC West like it's it's on paper the best division in football right Giant question marks in the division. The Chiefs shedding superstars left and right to stay under the salary cap. Brand new head coach in Denver. Um, you know, brand new quarterback. I don't believe in that Denver defense without Vic Fangio. Uh and the Chargers, I like, don't believe in Staley at all. He was supposed to come in and be this defensive guru, and their defense got worse than it was under Gus Bradley. Um, and then they're and they're also benefiting from having a Justin Herbert, who's a you know, rook on a rookie deal as a, as a Pro Bowl quarterback. They're going to have to pay them next season. And then you're not going to be able to be able to load up your defense with superstars. So, and then obviously with the Raiders, it's brand new head coach, brand new GM, brand new number one receiver, a lot of new faces, new scheme. On paper, it should be a, a violent division with, you know, maybe three teams going to the playoffs. Everyone's fighting each other, but there are giant, giant question marks and, you know, we're, we're all optimistic that Josh McDaniels has learned from his mistakes from being a terrible head coach in Denver and being a terrible offensive coordinator for the Rams. But his record outside of New England is atrocious. Absolutely awful. So, again, he was, what, 33 years old when that happened? So, you know, here we are over a decade later. I'm sure he's learned and gotten better. But we're all just kind of super optimistic because, on you know, it's starting to look that way. But you can't help but think if Josh McDaniels is a tire fire with the Raiders, you you can't help but think. Looking back, we're gonna kick ourselves and say we should have saw this coming because of his history as a head coach.
0: Wow. Okay. Sounds like you might have put some money down just in case, a little insurance at plus one ninety five. We'll we'll hit some more odds down the road. as uh, I love the the betting options are getting really creative. RJ, appreciate it. I know it's a work weekend for you, so we uh, we're glad to have you on for a couple minutes. Thank you. My pleasure.
1: Cofield and Company presents. Hey,
0: hold
1: on, not touch it. Don't even look at it.
0: Only on, ESPN Las Vegas. it. <laughs> on,
1: Tons of pro sports.
0: There you go. Tons of pro sports in Las Vegas. You can hear the Aviators games on uh, Raider Nation Radio 920. Tonight, Chris Bryant, I would expect him to play with Albuquerque, staying for the weekend. As far as we know, Rocky's not going to call him up. Tonight is beach bag night. Also, the Lady Rebels are going to be out there with uh, Lindy Leroy throwing the first pitch out. And then uh, tomorrow, there's a lot going on with the Aces. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. But to wrap on a couple of things, Willie. Uh, first of all I mentioned the alternate season win betting that's now available at some sports books including William Hill the alternate season win total Raiders seven and a half over over minus 230 you'd lay 230
1: to win 100 yeah Wow confident all right I'm not a big money line guy but I mean that's a joke they're gonna win more than seven and a half games okay
0: well there you go minus 230 easy money
1: piece I mean, come get on. down on it. That means that I get two and a half dinners from you.
0: Uh, well, I didn't say I was betting the other side. Oh, oh, oh. I was that. I didn't make up the number that you can. Have well, to actually, go to no. That means part. I'd have to
1: lay two and a half dinners to get exactly, one. To one, yep. yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: Uh, thanks earlier in the show to our guest Alex Margulies. He did a, a preview of the. Nevada football program. We're doing a weekly countdown for the UNLV football schedule. Every single week, we'll have on an opponent from this coming season. We'll go from the back end of the season to the beginning of the season. So, Nevada's the last game. Hawaii is up next week. Uh, if you want to hear some recruiting talk, and the Rebels landed a 2023 commit from a quarterback from Agora Hills in California, and his uh, coach, Dustin Croik was on with us. Stanford Route joined us, and you just heard RJ Clifford from Sirius XM working. Around the UFC and also has his uh, show on Sirius XM on MMA. Damon, by the way, your fight show. Highly recommend R.J. Clifford as a guest. Because unlike most of us jabronis who cover the fights in the media, he actually fought professionally. So he had seven professional fights at 155. He wrestled at San Francisco State. Um, I've actually seen him get into a bar scuffle. Not bad. Not bad. Something broke out quick. And uh, and he was he was he fought smart. He was quick to uh, make sure he closed space and and got the underhook. So uh, so he's like actually a real fighter who can talk the fight game. So I'm going to have to think about that. Now I got his contact info. Thanks. There you go. You're you're in. Tell people what time your show is on and what day. Um, Thursdays over on KLAV, 1230 The Game, you could uh, tune in live or the podcast version from 11 to 12. Only an hour and only on one day a week. But we're starting. Right. Room for growth, right? So you tweeted out something that was interesting yesterday, uh, Damon. You said that the G League Ignite is what? Was it a joke? What was it's it? a scam. Oh, a sham. Why do you say that? Because you see, Hardy, you got the number one, the number two prospect in the country just
2: last year, and then it's, oh man, but you get taken in the second round, just go to college and get that NIL money, you know, put up 15 points at Kentucky or whatever, and I'm sure he would have been a first round draft pick.
1: Willie, what do you think? Did Hardy screw Uh, himself by going to the G League? Well, I don't know if he screwed himself last year because I don't, you know, we knew about the NIL, but I don't know if we were as educated and knew how big it was going to get when he was in that position last year to make that decision. Can we honestly say that we thought the magnitude of where this was going to go? You know I mean? I think everybody kind of had an idea, like, could it grow to this? But now it's, it's, it's a clear cut decision. It's like the guys that went to the workouts and then decided before, like Timmy and Strother up at Gonzaga, why not just go to the G league? Right. And then enter the draft last year. Nope. Just go back to college. For, to, to be a 50 to 60, 40 to 50 to 50 to 60 draft pick for the money you can make from the NILs, you might as well go and try to raise your stock. And you're still going to make probably six figures. I don't know. But, yeah, no, I agree with on 100%. All right.
0: Uh, aces tomorrow. So, for you, where are the aces now in the pecking order in the WNBA? Number one? Number two? Where are they?
1: Man, it is tough, Steve. i tell you what. Uh, the WNBA puts out their own power rankings. So there's a lot of different sites that obviously do it. There, there, Before the Aces blew that lead and lost to Chicago, they had the Aces 1, Connecticut 2, Chicago 3, Washington 4, Seattle 5. But since then, Seattle has beaten Washington. Chicago has beaten Las Vegas. The New York Liberty has beaten Connecticut. It's, it is getting very competitive. I think that we are seeing... A lot of the teams, especially in the bottom half or middle of the pack, that were having rough starts. They're starting to find that chemistry because those are the rosters that maybe were new, had free agents come in, uh, trades, younger players. You know, I thought that's what we might see with the Sparks. And then they fired Derek Fisher. I'm not sure what that has to do with, or maybe we are sure what it has to do with. But um, if, if I were to say right now, it's either uh, Vegas or Chicago, Chicago, because it's the defending champ. We have taught, we, you know, I have said that time, just like at the beginning of this Stanley Cup game, Tampa Bay is the defending. Until they're knocked off, they're the champs. So you just saw what Chicago did to Vegas. And yes, you can say, well, Las Vegas shot itself in its foot, but Chicago had to have a part in that. You know, they didn't just come back from a 28-point deficit because Las Vegas blew it. Chicago had something to do with it. In changing up the defense making adjustments they just named the all-star coaches and guess who it is becky hammond from vegas james wade from chicago so i think right now they're the top two i think washington and connecticut they have they're going on their west coast tours and they're starting to feel a little bit of the the travel time and, and 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 teams are catching up with them so uh i think those are your top four but seattle is dangerous sue bird brianna stewart it's a legit top five. I'm really, really excited to see what those middle of the road teams do. I can't wait for the New York Liberty to get here because I am a big Sabrina Ionescu fan. So stick your hand in there, Dave.
0: Tomorrow do they have their Title Nine celebration
1: panel? They do. They do. Oh, boy. They have a yep. and it includes the, Lindy LaRock.
0: The mood oh, of that they- may have, the, the mood of that may have changed. That'll be a different discussion going on now.
1: It will. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, and I don't want to get, go away from tomorrow night. And our good friend Paloma Villacana from Fox 5, um, she will be hosting. She will be moderating that. Um, but, you know, I was watching um, the NBA show on 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 ESPN earlier. And Malika Andrews delivered some commentary that was moving. I mean, you know, I don't watch sports talk shows and and get a little emotional and choked up, but listening and watching her was quite emotional because of how she delivered her commentary. It it was, it's uh, what happened today, it it affected a lot of lives.
0: Willie, great job all week. Damon, thanks for running the show. Damon goes back to Raider Nation Radio uh, next week, 2 o'clock start with Q Myers right on 920 AM. Everyone have a good weekend and be safe out there. We'll see you.